Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you aren't able to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. Because Jesus is to me. Not to me, I'm not going to tell you my stuff. I want you to think about your stuff, your faith. Not what this church espouses, not what the Lutheran church embodies, not exactly what you were taught, but who is Jesus really to you? There is a thing nowadays called the personal mission statement because I'm not very hip. It's probably a thing that was something three years ago. It just got to me. And part of the deal is that you are to have a mission statement, much less like companies or organizations or nations. It is a declaration of an individual's purpose and path in life, emphasizing what is truly important. It lays out core values, expectations, your pledge to people, and your measurement for success. I thought to myself, I have to get one of those. I mean, look at that. Your purpose and your path, what's truly important, your core values, your expectations, what you deliver to people and promise to do, and your measurement of success. I thought if I could only have one of these, maybe someday I will become something if I only have one of these. It's been a while since I've done quotes. I like this, an unexamined life is not worth living. So you have a mission statement because you have to search thyself. Or this one I love because I like and miss Michael J. Fox. I believe purpose is something for which one is responsible. It's not just divinely assigned. I like the word just there. I like him. I love that quote. It's a both and. Many times we sit around and say, I'm going to do nothing until God does something for me. Well, sometimes, good luck. You're going to do nothing. The best way to lengthen our days is to walk steadily and with a purpose. And this is one of my favorite. I just wish I would have been born at a time where he and I could hang out. The two most important days in life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. Personal mission statement. So I was excited. So I did what everybody else does in this world. You Google it. Right? So one finger at a time. Personal mission statement wait, and by the grace of God, I find this. How to write a personal mission statement for your life. It was epiphanal. I'm on my way until I read this. Eight steps to write your personal mission statement, parenthetical with examples. I do nothing more than three points. I don't do eight. I'll waste my life away. I'm an old man. I don't have time for a mission statement. So maybe I thought I could just take someone else's example. Ironic. Take someone else's personal mission statement. You can't do it. So I'm not doing one. I'm out. Why do I bring it up? Because you need to know yourself. You need to know what you're for and against, but mostly who you're with and what you're about. One of the most enlightening classes I had was called Constructive Theology at Luther Seminary. I don't know if they teach it anymore. They've changed everything because of the way that we turned out. 
But if you do love root words, it is to construct your own theology. You have all term to figure it out. And then you have to go in front of your classmates. When I was there, it was 25 or 30, and you have to present your faith from soup to nuts. Oh, there are a few rubrics or rules. They are, it had to be supported biblically. Every single thing. You could not say, I hope this is true, or I wish it were this way. You had to have CF, 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 CF. And if it wasn't biblical, you would be glared at. It had to be in accordance with everything Lutheran. If you got a little Presbyterian or Methodist or Episcopalian, they'd kind of go, interesting, but no. It had to be congruent. It had to be consistent. Okay, let's just say it had to be essentially, theologically bulletproof. Furthermore, two things. Number one, everyone there was studying to be a pastor. So, everyone was really nice. They were really supportive. And they were filled with grace and mercy. <laughs> or... Everyone made Simon Cowell look like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> B. Savages. Beasts. And I loved it. Because if you're going to go and stand in front of people, you better have it figured out. It's not time to say, you're awesome, when you're not. Heretical or wrong. So, it was fun. But hazardous. Number two, the professor of the class, his TA was a good friend of mine, and one day we were hanging out watching football, and all of a sudden my friend, who was this person's TA, said, well, the professor was talking about certain students, about presentations and things they're in, and your name came up. Well, do tell. Well, he, in this case, said that your theology is really good. It's really Lutheran. It's really solid. But, but, he's a little flummoxed as to how often you reference your father. Hmm? Yeah, you will always say, well, my dad taught me, my dad taught me, like my dad said, this is what my dad taught me, this is what my dad taught me. And he thinks it's a little strange and a little bit much. So, you know, my even-keeled self, I just took it in stride. Or maybe I thought about it a little bit and I thought, okay, professor who's not a pastor's kid, that I grew up in a parsonage, that my father, I listened to my father preach two Sundays every Sunday of my life. He taught me confirmation. Everything, when you're in a preacher's household, everything that we think about, and my poor three children with my wife, they hear about Jesus and they hear about theological things all the time because we are always working, we are always writing. So I'm sorry, Professor, that actually all that I really know at my core is what my father taught me. 
I've read Luther now and Melanchthon and the Diet of Worms, and I've read all the concordance and all the things therein, but at the bedrock, it's what I heard my dad say. And by the way, I think he's really bright. And also secondarily, I think it's also what I believe. So I hope or I think that's okay. But then, do you ever realize that maybe five, 10, 15 years down the road, you actually realize that the person who said it back there had a point for your life here? Because there were times in my ministry, I think really perhaps far too many years, where I would still quote my father. And then I realized, I'm pretty good at this myself. I don't have to quote my father because I know what I'm doing. And actually some things I know he didn't teach me and some things he taught me I no longer think. And so we all have mentors. We all have people that we read. But sooner or later we have to winnow and redact and we have to claim and we have to name and then we have to say this is what I think and this is what I believe and this is how I view people, places and things. Me. You. In that light, about five or six years ago, I've said before that I was on a task force for the Eden Prairie School District. The former superintendent, Dr. Trigsteg, picked 18 people to sit around a table and for two days, for 12 to 14 hours at a time, we had to sit sequestered and talk about learning. And we designed you know, to inspire each child. That's what Eden Prairie, each child. Well, we debated whether or not to have the word every or each for six hours. I was there. And you know what? Some of you went like this and some of you went like this and some of you went a waste of time. Well, you know the difference is? Each means each child. Every means all of them, but each is individual. Capiche? Worth the six hours. And so we were talking back then about diversity. We were talking about achievement gap. This is long before the things we're talking now because of George Floyd and all the things. We were talking about it because Eden Prairie is a very pluralistic setting. And we saw the metrics. And we were trying to decide whether or not the things we were doing as a school district were working. We got to a discussion where we talked about achievement gap diversity. And remember, this was five, six years ago when this was not vogue to do. And we had people of every color, creed, Dr. Trigstead picked well, very educated people. And it was the United Nations. I'm not kidding you sitting around that table. And I had the best discussion of diversity I've ever had in my life because for three hours, we closed the door and we talked honestly. People of color talked and I listened. White guys like me talked and they listened. And we got honest. But before, before the consultant, Susan, who is a superintendent in the cities, now she's in South Carolina, she's a consultant. This is what she said. And this is worth coming today other than that song. When you speak, do not say a lot of people think this way. Instead, say, this is what I believe, 
This is what I hope for, this is what I wish, this is what I want, and this is what I desire. If you begin any sentence talking about anything you say here in this discussion, and you use the word a lot of people, or us, or we, or them, you will be stopped. Because when you say a lot of people, you're hiding. You're amplifying your own thoughts. And so you begin by saying, I. Do you know how many times these very educated people had to stop themselves because we are so into it? No, a lot of people agree with me. A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people. So what? When you're talking about things that are the most important, you and I have to be able to say, I. I do or I do not. As for me and my house, I, we, will fill in the blank. Now, I'm sorry, I don't remember Susan's last name, but we got along well, so she won't sue me. But this is important. And pay attention this week to how many times you and I don't say I. Today's text is from the ninth chapter of Luke. Thus far, we're going to get a little biblical with you. Here's all the things that have happened thus far. And I think when you read the Bible or you see a text, it's important to see the context because Jesus is always going somewhere. He's not just ADD doing things and he's just saying, well, whatever happens, happens. There's always a purpose. So up until this point, he's been born and baptized and tempted by the devil. He healed a gaggle of people. He called the first disciples. He healed a bunch more people, raised a few people from the dead, and then he gave the disciples power and authority and ability to cure diseases. Then he fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. After all that, right before he transfigured himself, something that a lot of pastors don't even understand, because when we get Transfiguration Sunday, all your four pastors, we say, can you please pick again? Because we just don't get it. But it's true. After that, Jesus seized the moment and looked at his disciples and said, who do people say that I am? Okay? done all these great things. They answered, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some other people think it's a prophet, came back from life. But says Jesus, who do you say that I am? Looked at the disciples and said, who do you say that I am? Not what does everybody else say? Not what do your parents say? It's not what your grandparents or your sponsors or your Sunday school teachers or your pastors say that I am. Rather, who do you say that I am? And you know Peter. Peter's always like, I got it, I got it, I got it. You're the Messiah. Good answer. Bingo. Tell no one else. Why? Because don't you get the point? Doesn't matter what they believe. What do you believe? What do I believe? One of my favorite stories, I don't think I've told it, or I don't remember. But one of my favorite stories ever is a young boy grew up in a small town. He grew up and he had a flair for being an actor in the Christmas programs. He was everything. He was David, he was Goliath, he was Jesus, he was Joseph. He was everything and he's shown. He went to college and majored in drama. 
Then he went out to Hollywood and he made a name for himself and became a celebrity. He was coming home for a town celebration. There was one church in that town. After church, they had a little picnic and they were gonna celebrate this now grown man who had made his name big. And so they asked the pastor of the church, he was in his upper 80s, Pastor Olson to come up and say a prayer. And he's, you know, 88, 90 years old. It takes a while, and he gets up there, and he starts to pray, and it's very authentic, but he has to kind of hunt and peck for words a little bit. You know, when you get old, some things kind of take a little time, and he stumbled a little bit, but it was a great prayer, great meat. He gets done. They invite this hometown hero up, and he realizes it's a religious function, so he decides to recite the 23rd Psalm. And he nails it. Flair for the dramatic, memorized, the right inflection, intonation, perfect timing. He gets done and everyone claps. Yeah. Any thoughts you have, they said to this now grown man? He said, well, here's a thought that I just came upon is that I know the 23rd Psalm. As you can tell, I just told it. But I was also taught the 23rd Psalm by Pastor Olson because he baptized me, he confirmed me, and so many things I know about Jesus and his love, he taught me. Now, I know the 23rd Psalm, but I also know that Pastor Olson truly knows the Good Shepherd. I know the 23rd Psalm, or I truly know the Good Shepherd. There's a difference. Jesus asks, not only them, but you and me, who am I to you? A good idea, a wish, something for which we hope, we put our whole trust and believe in. Am I your friend, says Jesus, and we hopefully say yes, the dearest of friends. Am I your Lord? Hopefully by the grace of God we're able to say, yes, my one and only Lord. Am I your savior? Yes, please and thank you. Am I your rock? Jesus, you are always there, always loving, always strong, and powerful. We've said a lot of words over these last eight weeks. Why, Jesus? If you really want my conclusion when I think about it, Jesus is amazing. One in a lifetime can do anything is our everything to us. And of all the things we understand and don't understand, Jesus continues to choose us every single day. So if nothing else, we're blessed. So blessed. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. 
If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007.